0: Hey everyone, I'm Jose Hernandez and welcome to Behind the Backing Track for Outsider Music. Outside and Music is a media company and record label that connects jazz artists with their passionate fan bases. Please visit us at our website at outsideofmusic.com, where you can see our artists and the recent releases, our podcasts, video interviews, and links to get in touch with us. Behind the backing track is a monthly podcast produced alongside over here by Big Boss Nick Finzer and Extended Harmony with music journalist Dan Gross, covering music from TV, film, and video games. This podcast digs deeper into the inner workings of the composers, arrangers, editors, and engineers of the commercial music realm. Hey everyone, uh, so today I have uh, Braxton Brooks here, a freelance composer and uh, orchestrator. Uh, Braxton, how about you go a bit into what your job description is?
1: Yeah, sure. Hi Jose, uh, and hi listeners. My name is Braxton, and um, I'm an uh, orchestrator of video game music. Specifically, I orchestrate Pokemon music, so... Um, I have a project called Pokemon Reorchestrated, and uh, it's dedicated to uh, recreating the music from the Pokemon series in a kind of cinematic way so that when you're listening, uh, the music almost sounds like it's part of a movie or there's like a story going on. And uh, the instrumentation is is full orchestra usually. And um, I've had albums with live players, uh, live orchestras, and uh, sometimes it's a combination of live players and um, synthetic instruments. So, yeah,
0: awesome. So, really quick, um, first let's let's go let's mind the clock back a bit. Uh, so, how did you get into uh, orchestrating Pokemon music?
1: Well, it was, I think, 2011 was when I started uh, orchestrating Pokemon music. And by orchestrating, I mean doing, like, dinky remixes in GarageBand. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But, yeah, I was, like, in my dorm at the time. I had a MacBook Pro uh, GarageBand. And when I wasn't in classes or studying, I was making Pokemon remixes. So um, every now and then, I'd upload my uh, remixes to YouTube and... Usually they get, you know, like 10 or 20 views um, per video. And then uh, as I started getting better at working with uh, sample libraries, which are actually like um, uh, they're real instruments sampled uh, to be playable instruments in a MIDI sequencer. So once I was actually using uh, sample libraries in my remixes and uh, that's when the quality level really jumped. And then after doing a few pieces with sample libraries, including Trainer Battle from Pokemon Red and Blue, um, my YouTube channel kind of blew up a bit and I got way more subscribers. And then um, I think the following year, I did my first full album of music from Pokemon Red and Blue. It was a 78 minute orchestral tribute to the original Red and Blue soundtrack. All of the tracks from pallet town all the way to champion battle like fully orchestrated and uh um, that was fully licensed by uh, joypad records at the time and we were able to uh, put it onto itunes and stuff and it actually charted on itunes and billboard which is kind of ridiculous so uh since then um i've been doing more pokemon orchestrations from various generations like i've done uh most recently, Johto Legends music from Pokemon Gold and Silver because I love the second gen, and uh, Hoenn Summer music from Ruby and Sapphire, and a bunch of other like anthology type uh, albums.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's super awesome. Um, so how about we get a bit under the microscope and really detail from when you start working on a track to when it's to, to completion, right? So what what are your first steps in recreating something in an or, orchestral uh, mindset?
1: An orchestral, yeah, like coming up with the translation from like game music to orchestra. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on the generation because uh, if we're talking about music from like gens one and two, those tend to have very limited like instrument voicings mm-hmm. because of the 8-bit soundtracks, so you'll have four sound channels at all times. One is usually uh, dedicated to percussion, so then you'll just have three. And so um, for like early gen stuff, it's uh, it's a bit more of a creative process because I get to look at the original tracks and be like, okay, so some of these there's there's like a melody going through this track, but um, what are the other two tracks doing? And usually they're just like providing bass and harmony. But they'll also be doing like this cool counterpoint stuff that gives the piece, you know, a, a unique rhythm or has some cool counter melodies. So what I do is when I listen to one of the original eight-bit tracks, I'll pick apart, you know, the mel- any melodies, counter melodies, and cool rhythms that I notice that like always stick out to me, um, and then I uh, start adapting them to orchestra or orchestrations like. A whole, it's it's a crazy subject i yeah, can talk about yeah it's a, it's it for a can hours. of worms <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, for like town tracks like if i'm orchestrating a piece like cerulean city or something i'm mm-hmm. i'm not going to use as much brass for instance because maybe i want to evoke something more docile and warm and cozy and nothing too like bombastic so i'll have lots of strings and woodwinds and um sometimes i'll double like A string melody with uh, woodwinds so it gives it more body and um yeah it's it it does vary from piece to piece um uh like when you do battle tracks then that's when i like whip out the brass i'm gonna be like blast these horns in people's ears yeah um and uh i guess i'm talking about two different things here so the first part (laughs) the first piece was like arrangement like Mm -hmm. arrangement music and then the second part is like picking what instruments to use orchestration um oh and i was gonna say it yeah it's a separate process for orchestrating and arranging um anything past gen two so gens three through seven all have much better sound fonts <laughs> yeah uh, uh over the years they've they've improved a lot um Hohen, for example is known for its trumpets so anytime i do hoen stuff i always try to throw some trumpets in there <laughs> um and uh yeah and because the original um audio is a bit more detailed i can take more ideas from the the original composers mm-hmm. um choices and instrumentation and adapt them into my own uh, arrangements. Hmm. The thing is, some of them don't compose or orchestrate as realistically in the game soundtracks because they're all synthetic instruments. Yeah. That's another uh, choice. I have to make a lot of choices, orchestration choices based on what's actually playable, like all of the bringing it back to the trumpets and Ruby and Sapphire. trumpets can't play that high and you don't want them to play that high um if they could the players would pass out and so it naturally (laughs) sounds like synthetic and fake so Mm -hmm. i i would like bring them down an octave or um double them with higher instruments like uh violins or something yeah and try to recreate the sound in a faithful way but also making it you know sound realistic
0: yeah and so um while listening to uh, Johto Legends over the past couple of weeks, I noticed a lot of motivic development, which I, uh, yes. uh, I, I am such seen. a fan of just cyclical <laughs> development type things. Um, yes. So, <laughs> could you go a bit more into detail for something like, say, uh, let me look at the track name right now. Uh, sure. There was a specific. Oh my god, I'm nerding out right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like in, I'm in theory, classic So in a tale of three beasts, in all three uh, movements, there are references to Ec- uh, Ecruteak, uh There are references to New Bark. Uh, there's a yes. bit of Route 29 and some and like some like foreshadowing like of Route 26. Uh, and actually, hold on that thought. I'm gonna dial it back. Let's go back. Let's go to uh, the general version of Battle Wild Pokemon because. Mm. I, I thought this arrangement was really good, um, and so
1: thank you.
0: I wanted to kind of like pick your brain a bit on how you decided to went throw in like all those uh, random spurs and like you know the eventual, yes. uh, Mannheim cannon or Mannheim uh, what is it, steamroller at the end, and <laughs> like it, it just uh, th- that specific arrangement blew my mind listening yes, to it the first time about it. so I, just
1: yeah i'd love to just go for just, it <laughs> yeah um i'm so glad someone's asking me about it it was actually the first track that i ever arranged for johto legends um and at the time it was up on my youtube channel but since then i've like quit from youtube um but hmm. uh it uh yeah it, it, i wanted to make a big comeback because i hadn't been putting out a lot of work before uh doing johto stuff and I wanted this one to be like my comeback track. So I tried to shove as many like relevant and interesting references in as possible, but also trying to stretch out the material of the original battle Mm -hmm. theme because it's only like a minute long, but the version that I made I think is-
0: Two and a half, yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, there's like a small nod to the, original canto wild battle in there in like the counter counter melody i don't remember what time but
0: yeah um
1: i i tried to basically throw in as many chromatic runs as possible (laughs) (laughs) you know to heighten that sense of urgency and excitement um yes route 26 27 is in there uh that was something i decided on early on is i wanted to hint at uh the route 26 27 theme like very subtly throughout uh, the entirety of Johto Legends. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's in Wild Battle. Um, I think it's in Lake of Rage as well. uh, Near the beginning, just like slight nods to the just very trying to be subtle sometimes in Wild Battle, it's less subtle. But I was also thinking it made sense because if you're having your first Pokemon battle in the, the tall grass outside of New Bark Town, New Bark Town is like pretty adjacent to you know uh route 26 Mm -hmm. and once you surf across the water you know you land near that place near tojo falls yeah um and that's when the music starts and the the tears and (laughs) (laughs) um and i always knew that i wanted to end the album with that theme as like an epilogue Mm -hmm. Um, because the the entire album is the trainer's journey across johto and them uncovering uh the, the myths and lore of the Johto region while, well, um, you know, uh, making their way to the Pokemon League and then the ending, I wanted to be this, like, triumphant, okay, we're moving on to uh, the next big adventure. Yeah. So that that motif was very important to me, yes. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and so you talked about stretching out uh, material, and so mm. um, I, I think you did this incredibly well to where you you know, put out the theme as it was and A, B or your, your A section and your B section. And then you had kind of like this moment of development where you reinterpreted the theme just very slightly with a different instrument or just a different timbre of something. And you kind of brought in other counter melodies to complement that. Um,
1: yeah. And some of that was kind of tricky too, because the piece moves uh, through so many, like harmonic areas it's not mm. by any means like strictly diatonic so you're yeah moving, you know up a half step you know um doing all kinds of crazy stuff key changes and yeah. so trying to like yeah transpose some of those things was tricky and making them sound realistic on um instruments and i uh i think my number one thing when i'm orchestrating is i want to provide uh contrast between sections for mm. sure so like uh when you hear the original melody the da 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 it's it's pretty exciting and hectic and there's the chromatic runs everywhere and then the second time you hear it in the uh the second half um it's a bit more low key and like um played with woodwinds and softer instruments um but then kind of punctuated by this loud brassy attack and then throwing in, like, the main Pokemon theme, the da-na-na, in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> um.
0: So, I guess moving on, but still being the same general area of orchestration, uh, mm-hmm. I, I realize with Judo Legends, you try to uh, really mix both the gold, silver, crystal soundtracks along with the heart, gold, and soul, silver soundtracks. There, there were oh, yeah. uh, there were a lot of mentions of both versions of each of those like tracks in like Route 29, in Echo, Echo Tree for sure, um, mm. and even uh, with like Goldenrod City, there were a lot of like like nods to both of those versions while still maintaining an orchestral sound. Uh, I guess how how did you?
1: make those decisions Mm -hmm. like which one was going to sound more like which yeah um it was well i you know i obviously love both i actually adore heart gold and soul silver maybe more so (laughs) uh the originals no offense to the originals i need to play crystal again it's been a while but like Mm -hmm. the last time i played gold i was like oh this doesn't this does not hold a candle to the remakes like i i just love heart gold and soul silver so i tried to throw as many um cool bits of um like parts of uh the arrangements that um go Ichinosei did for the remix mm-hmm. as well as shoda kageyama um so yeah route 29 was one of them for sure i just loved like the the happy kind of piano bouncy piano um motif but i also wanted to tie that track in with the the following track the wild battle so i replaced the piano with um marimba Mm -hmm. which is still i think in the original park gold track yeah there's that part where um the arrangement comes to like a slow crawl where the the mallet's just doing like a little roll thing yeah and i i love that moment um because it it felt like there was suspense on route 29 like you weren't just happily you know making your way across this route and the melodies playing non-stop like route one you know, from canto like da da da, that it's just a non-stop loop with route 29 and heart gold it, it felt like oh something could jump out at me anytime yeah <laughs> um so i wanted to yeah keep an idea like that in there for sure um the overture even is a combination of the heart gold soul silver opening and the gold and silver opening because like in the originals they actually include the surf theme from uh, red and blue in the opening mm,
0: which is yeah
1: which goes along with a picture of the you know the surfing lapras
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and i always missed that from the heart gold version so i threw that into my version. <laughs> so i'm just taking the bits and pieces that i loved from each and cramming as much uh as much of both into the album as possible
0: yeah uh with Keno symphony and ho and summer and jota legends uh what was the kind of uh process that you had to go through like in terms of licensing and i guess a record deal or a label deal i'm not sure what they would call it nowadays <laughs>
1: yeah well it's uh yeah many different steps um with kanto symphony and Hoenn summer i was just working with uh i guess it would be more accurate to call them a a distribution platform so Mm. i was working with uh, louder for a while formerly known as joypad records and they would do mechanical licensing for all of my pokemon tracks and uh, we pay a compulsory licensing fee which in the u.s Uh, is $0.09 per composition featured in a track. Mm -hmm. And so we'd sell the album and then basically at the end of the month, you know, take the the net profit, you know, after distribution fees, iTunes taking their fees, um, and then say, okay, uh, this is how many compositions were used and this is how many of those tracks that they were used in this is how many were sold. Mm -hmm. And then you subtract the royalties and then send a check to the Pokemon company, who is the the copyright holder. And that's actually how most um, cover songs are licensed. Um, But until like, I think it was the year Canto Symphony came out 2012. uh, You couldn't actually do covers of Pokemon music and sell them because they weren't, the soundtracks weren't published in the US. Mm, So in order to license uh, something for a cover in the U.S., it, there has to be a recording um, published in the U.S. It can't be you know, published in Japan and then you cover it. And then it, it's because there needs to be a U.S. Uh, copyright holder to send a paycheck to, mm-hmm. basically. And um, uh, to make it yeah, as simple as possible um as soon as pokemon company put all of the pokemon soundtracks onto itunes they had officially published it uh in the us as well as the rest of the world which meant um we actually had a point of contact to send royalties to if we wanted to do covers so uh, it ended up benefiting uh both of us in that sense oh, and yeah. uh oh yeah and uh with johto legends i actually partnered with um sebastian wolf Who is uh, the creator of, or founder of uh, Materia Collective, which is uh, a record label? Uh, They handle distribution for video game covers as well as uh, original video game soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And um, Sebastian was uh, used to be part of Louder, so he knows the ins and outs of licensing video game music. And um, he also uh, has—he's just an amazing personality uh incredibly tech savvy we did a kickstarter for johto legends uh that raised forty thousand dollars if you hire live players to play pokemon music congrats thank you uh it's it's still staggering to me that that many people came out to support it um with that said there was so much paperwork you know (laughs) like okay this backer is owed this reward we have to license uh, vinyl CDs, all of these to make sure mm. everything is done yeah. licensed and legally. Um, and, uh, of course he is a spreadsheet master and, uh, automates, uh, all his accounting and he is just, yeah, he's a, an accounting wizard. So he, he's been handling a lot of the, the paperwork for that. Um, so that's one benefit that <laughs> I got out of working with materia collective for Johto legends release, but otherwise, um, working with a quote unquote label, um, for this, it was mostly like I retained, uh, the creative interpretation and, uh, license to do whatever with Mm -hmm. this album. Um, and then he just handled kind of administrative stuff. So it was a very hands-off, uh, relationship, uh, with a label. So I got to do what I wanted and didn't have to worry about other interests saying, oh, uh, no you need to do more battle tracks or more mm-hmm. of this kind of track or do it in this way uh, so i could just do my own interpretations of pokemon music
0: yeah yeah um and so we're talking about like the recording phase of it so uh i guess just tell me a bit how how it was like recording in seattle were you like the conductor or was someone else there and you were just going to sit in back and just giving your comments as they were like rehearsing and like recording the music or?
1: So here's the exciting thing. Well, first I'll say, um, the one album that, uh, we recorded here in Seattle, it wasn't Johto legends, but mm. it was a uh, double team, uh, which I co-produced with my friend, Eric Buckles, who is an arranger and orchestrator. Um, for Chad Sider, worked on the Zelda Symphony um, and Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions. We did a bunch of music f- from Gens one through six, I believe, and mm-hmm. we recorded uh, with Seattle music players, like members of the Seattle Symphony, at Studio X in downtown Seattle. And that was a crazy cool experience. It was my first <laughs> like studio recording uh, ex- experience, and it was completely unforgettable uh eric was conducting i was in the booth listening to the players uh you know chug away on like the aqua team aqua and team magma battle theme and Mm -hmm. uh the the piano player like going crazy uh with those you know crazy piano runs yeah (laughs) and uh yeah i'll I'll never forget it it was it was very typical studio setup um yeah we had conductors we had engineers uh, we had players in the room. Um, But for Johto Legends, we actually recorded the players remotely. So uh, all of the players got into uh, their own studios um, and recorded remotely from their locations. So we had uh, someone in like Nashville, we had someone in Florida, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had people recording all over. Um, And honestly i i don't think it would have been possible to even assemble all these people in the same place not just because they live you know so far apart but if i wanted the same sound it wouldn't have been possible to get even if i'd like booked a session at a studio because they they just bring so much personality to their performances Mm -hmm. that i was specifically seeking out like um kristen nagus for example uh one of my favorite players to work with uh she plays english horn oboe penny whistle um japanese woodwinds uh she's a woodwind specialist basically mm-hmm. and uh she's also the only one who i can geek out with about japanese like traditional japanese music yeah which is super fitting for johto right because yeah it's, the sound is kind of traditional japanese in a lot of areas like ecruteak uh tin tower um yeah, all of the areas that, I mean, the whole region is based on the Kansai region of Japan. So you see that in the visual influences and the music influences. Mm-hmm. So um, getting to work with people like Kristen, um, as well as, uh, you know, like Laura Intravia, who plays, uh, she's she's better known as Flute Link uh, on Video Games Live. <laughs> uh, she performs and tours with Video Games Live uh, f- very frequently, and she's recorded on a bunch of soundtracks. Um, one of which I think was Destiny, Um, you know, no big deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so um, I I got to have, you know, Laura's performance of flute parts for Johto and Kristen's performances of like the show and Ichiriki and all these interesting Japanese wins uh, that I probably wouldn't have gotten out of like a session musician. Plus they know the history of pokemon and its music so that sort of comes out in in their performances too i think they're a bit more enthusiastic about the music mm, and they, they
0: understand like the phrasing and
1: yes exactly since they're familiar with it they know yeah how the music should sound
0: yeah so um obviously looking very,
1: very different from um you know working in a session with all the players in one space a bit more logistics involved mm-hmm. in, you know coordinating, um like recordings, recording quality, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. But in the end, I think it came together super well.
0: Yeah, I definitely. Um I guess looking at some of the the features on Jota Legends, I see uh names like Michaela Noct- Noctigal Is that how you pronounce her name? I'm sorry for it. Yeah, you.
1: Michaela Noctigal Okay.
0: Yeah. And then uh Augustine Gonzalez, uh mm-hmm. the aforementioned Eric oh man, I'm gonna butcher this uh buckles Buckles. okay buck. i was gonna say buckles oh man
1: (laughs) yeah it's german
0: yeah and then uh carlos Cien, who i record uh had a podcast with last month uh patty rudisil kristen nuggets and then uh family jewels how how did you go about uh reaching out to these people
1: well i'm friends with all of them which is really convenient (laughs) (laughs) i actually met michaela a really long time ago um like when she i mean she had a, a smaller subscriber base than she does now and now she's blown up like crazy it's awesome mm-hmm. uh, like all of her uh automaton uh covers of various <laughs> songs which are it's funny because people will ask me now like what michaela plays violin i thought she only played automaton."
0: oh man <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the irony um no michaela is super super talented. I heard one of her covers of the Team Plasma grunt battle theme for Black and White mm-hmm. a long time ago on YouTube. And I was like, girl, I want you to record for me. And so I just fangirled at her over YouTube. And then we like got in touch on Facebook. And we've been friends ever since. Um, she actually recorded for Canto Symphony as well. So she's featured on several tracks on my first Pokemon album. Um, Family Jewels. Jewels, I I met, I think, at MAGFest one year, a few years back.
0: Mm. Um,
1: So nice, so friendly, and we're both super Pokemon nerds, so uh, we have that natural bond. And he actually did the full arrangement of the Silver Rival Battle theme on Johto Legends, so that's all mostly him. I, I orchestrated a little bit around his stuff, but it was already so awesome i i didn't have to touch it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and that was that was a uh, a huge honor to get to work with him um let's see carlos uh years ago as well um sent me a message after hearing kanto sim i think he was in middle school (laughs) (laughs) because carlos is super young um, yeah and you know he's going to berkeley currently Mm -hmm. for school but um uh you know, he messaged me a long time ago f- with, like, one of his arrangements that he'd made in, uh, I think, eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. And uh, I think it was Viridian Forest. It sounded, like, totally awesome. I was like, is this is kid for real? <laughs> <laughs> right. And and so I, you know, gave him feedback as best as I could. I mean, it was, it was pretty great as it was. And then I got to watch him uh, and his channel kind of grow and his musicianship. Uh, and now he's such a talented arranger and mm-hmm. saxophone player, um,
0: man. We, okay. We got... Hold up. Have you seen his, <laughs> his, uh, Rito village arrangement dude. That is just sick. Like oh, so
1: that's one of his newer ones. Yeah. The groove I at think the I end saw it in my oh,
0: man. Ah, oh. uh,
1: Carlos, <laughs> he's too good. Um, yeah, it was, well, so Carlos, uh, Uh, recorded saxophone for Team Rocket Strikes Back on Mm. Johto Legends, which is a combination of the Team Rocket hideout theme and the uh, radio tower takeover music when Team Rocket hijacks the airwaves in Goldenrod City. Yeah. Uh, Which was super fun to arrange, but totally out of my comfort zone because like I'm an orchestra classical sort of guy. I feel that. I was like, (laughs) right. And then I I was like, but I kind of want to do something different. Um so I decided to try to do like a Team Rocket big band arrangement and it felt only natural to be like hey Carlos do you want a sax solo in this um also because like the take out the the takeover music has this very like soloistic section the dun 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 you know kind of crazy uh melodic fast stuff and i was like that doesn't sound like an orchestra could play it but i bet carlos could <laughs> so he was he was a natural pick for that and um yeah who else am i missing um there were tons of, oh patty patty rudisil mm-hmm. uh yeah she's featured on several of the she plays the beautiful violin solo in um azalea town uh the ending theme and in uh, the ho oh battle theme which was such a delight um yeah, it, ugh, Patty is so freaking good. She she's a session player uh, full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she works at Ocean Way in, in Nashville. Uh, it's a Nashville scoring stage. Yeah, and they do video game soundtracks all the time. So she's done like Until Dawn, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, Dragon Age, she's she's played on a ton of American video game soundtracks. And it's so cool uh, to actually hear her um, outside of the section in, in a solo environment Mm -hmm. because honestly I think she's a great soloist and I would love to hear her on more uh like on her own like having awesome solos in future video games so um yeah she was a delight everyone was
0: a delight (laughs) (laughs) am
1: I missing anyone were there any
0: others um I think you might have missed I get them all uh got everyone except Augustine
1: oh Augustine of course okay so um Augustine, I heard about from the Undertale Piano Collection, ah. which is so good. Um, that was all arranged by David Peacock, who, by the way, also worked on um, National Park from Johto Legends, which is the track that Augustine plays piano on. Um, and Augustine's just incredible. Uh, he's a virtuoso. We got to actually hang out at MAGFest It's funny because when you hear about classical pianists you just sort of think oh very austere and you know they're probably like highly intellectual and (laughs) and kind of pompous and stuff uh and then i hang out with augustine we're staying up at like 3 a.m playing party games on the switch in his hotel room and just like laughing our asses (laughs) off it is I'm not to say that Augustine isn't like, you know, intellectual and thinks deeply about music. Like obviously his, mm-hmm. his performances are great, but it's it's honestly just so refreshing to be friends with all of these performers. Cause I know when it comes to the work, they'll be super serious about it, but we can also just shoot the breeze and bond over uh, our experiences with Pokemon while we're recording. And I think that's another reason I, I selected all of them It's just, we all share in this his love for Pokemon,
0: yeah, dude. Oh man, it just so you, you <laughs> mentioned. Project. Um, you mentioned your, your time on YouTube. Was your time on YouTube uh, a huge contribution to meeting all of these people?
1: I would say so, uh, at least initially. Um, some of them, uh, Michaela for sure, um, Kristen for sure. We, I, I did the same thing with her. I just messaged her being like, I heard your Zelda cover, like Penny Whistle. Oh, uh, so good! <laughs> um, and then I found out later, you know, she can play practically every other Woodwind known to man. Yeah, and, and so I got to, yeah, work with her on a bunch of stuff after that. Um, and then um, at some point, though, I'm sure you know about this, my Pokemon uh, reorchestrated YouTube channel got taken down by the Pokemon company
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for violating copyright uh, guidelines on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess what it was, uh, was the videos. So you need a separate license to have cover songs uploaded to YouTube, which I didn't realize at the time. Wait, really? So yeah, you need a, um, uh, what is it?
0: Uh, Cause I, I understood mechanical was fine, but do you also need a performance license for YouTube?
1: It's not a performance license. It's a, um, uh, sync license. So, You need to be able to have a license for the music to be played in media. So like a video format, and that's separate uh, from a mechanical license, which is kind of ridiculous. Basically, that means every cover on YouTube that doesn't have, um, uh, I guess, was it the ad share or whatever? If the ad share doesn't exist for the original copyright holder, uh, you can't monetize or Upload those covers because it's technically illegal, so <laughs> YouTube channel got taken down. But then I migrated everything to uh, Spotify and Apple Music, where people can still stream things. But it that's all accounted for, and yeah, um, that's all mechanical licensing.
0: Yeah. So, um, I guess uh, a couple questions, uh, a bit more back on Jota Legends. Um, yeah, sure. So. What was the most fun to arrange out of all three tracks on the album? Um, wow. That's...
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, can I pick like my top three? Yeah, three, three is fine. <laughs> Do I get to in- indulge in my own arrangements? Of course. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, I would say number one for me was probably... Team Rocket Strikes Back, hmm. um, just because I was so out of my comfort zone. But I was happy last because I was listening to West Side Story and James Bond soundtracks and The Incredibles and getting ideas on how to make it sound like you're in a spy thriller and Team Rocket's, you know, yeah, fighting against you. I, yeah, I had a, a ton of fun with that. Plus the live performances that I got with Carlos, uh, John Robert Matz, who plays some Stick trumpet solos in that piece mm-hmm. um, and daniel romberger on trombone are uh, like combined contributions on that track just made it my absolute favorite um uh, second i would probably say the most like creative uh arrangement that i've had to do and had the most fun on was ecrutique mm-hmm. uh, because it wasn't that wasn't the version from gold and silver uh definitely was not the version from heart gold either um i was actually playing a lot of breath of the wild at the time while (laughs) while i was arranging stuff for johto and uh i i just remembered when the first time i walked in kakariko village in breath of the wild and hearing all the like japanese instruments coming in like the koto and uh, the shakuhachi and just being pulled into the world of kakariko but also being enamored by the japanese instruments i was like oh, i want to do something like that for ekruti which i felt like is also kind of a secluded you know village yeah in the, the heart of johto so i thought it would be appropriate to bring in some of the breath of the wild influences into my japanese orchestration of it um and then i'd say the final piece that i just absolutely loved working on and probably went by the fastest was the ending theme um i didn't work on it last <laughs> <laughs> um which kind of takes some of the like climactic feeling out of it because you're like oh this isn't actually the final track i'm arranging but it feels like it because yeah. it is the ending theme um but it's just such a beautiful melody and chord progression is, is gorgeous. It, it, it's the same as, like, um, uh, what's that song? To Make You Feel My Love, if you know that <laughs> song. It's the same, it's basically the same chord progression, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, the, mel- the melody is, is amazing. And I actually, like, once I started importing some of the live recordings from, like, Patty and uh, Laura, you know, getting violin and flute in there like Patty's heart-wrenching violin solo. I'm just like crying while doing mixing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is so great. I'm so happy that I could work with these amazing players to make this music from my childhood really come to life. Uh, Yeah, so the live performances in the ending theme, I think, make that one of my favorites. So that's my top three.
0: Yeah, I, I... Oh man. Like What are
1: yours? What are your top three? <laughs>
0: this this is good. Uh I'd have to say number one is it it, it it's it's the wild Pokemon battle. Like it is yeah. easily just the the like I the last fifteen seconds were so chike four that I was just like this can't be happening. Like this is so <laughs> unreal. Like I'm actually <laughs> listening to like uh it it was just so good.
1: Um, I think at the time I was still in music school when I wrote that one So you probably heard Some chike in there and yeah. Some of my classical influences showing
0: Oof, It, it was definitely A really good ride um, And then I, I'd say second Is uh, the epilogue Because it just um, I remember the first time I listened to The actual Route 26 theme was not in the games But uh, watching the anime so, oh, yeah. so and yeah, you, you know how like real it is there. It just, there's, there's oh, this, so the horn player playing. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. And even the strings too. It's just the dun, da dun, dun, dun. It's so tight and adventurous. And, and then, yeah, the horn player. Ah, yeah. If you couldn't tell, I sort of like cherry picked some of the ideas from the anime arrangement of Route 26. And oh put yeah. Put it into my head dude it so i'm really glad you like it (laughs) because i like blatantly ripping off (laughs) shinji it's cool we're all pals
0: yeah and then i guess my my third pick would be uh azalea town because it it, Uh, yeah it just it's i also like azalea it's it's just nice and sweet short and sweet and i was just like this is this is good this is good Um, oh good
1: i'm glad it wasn't too short Um, I'm glad you like that one too As, azalea is probably one of I'd say it's probably my favorite town theme from mm. Golden silver it's just such a good tune
0: so a couple questions to kind of round out this whole thing so really quick uh what is your I guess favorite game out of the pokemon series uh, <laughs>
1: this is so hard um I'm gonna pick two again that's <laughs> completely not- fine they're not going to be alt versions of the same game. Um, <laughs> so, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, probably my number one mm-hmm. um, for obvious reasons. I mean, I played Crystal first, and then when I got to play Heart Gold and Soul Silver, I felt like it really uh, just like revamped and uh, heightened and elevated the originals so much. Um, so, I'd say it's my number one. Uh, number two are actually probably Black and I really like the story in Black and White, and I'm actually a huge fan of the Pokemon design for most of that generation, Gen Five, which I can't say for every generation. I so um, yeah, that one's probably my my second favorite.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, I'm I, I'm gonna go with Black and White two being my top pick, and Platinum being a uh, second.
1: <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Oh, Platinum did such a great job, you know, improving on um, Diamond and Pearl too.
0: Yeah. I guess the the bigger question Sino. is uh, when when are you gonna uh, snow?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I've already done Hoenn, right? Uh, <laughs> I'll get back to you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll take
0: a TBD. Um,
1: that one's it's it's um, it's tough trying to imagine uh, like a fully orchestrated snow. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear from the anime. The anime has some killer Diamond and Pearl arrangements. Oh for yeah. On uh, rock band and stuff um, but uh, I definitely think it, I would need to take a, a hybrid approach with Diamond and Pearl more so than any of the other Pokemon albums that I've worked on mm-hmm. uh, simply because it's just such an eclectic soundtrack. You have like keyboards you have fusion jazz you have rock um, or- plus orchestra uh, there's just so many influences uh, throughout uh, I would feel it wouldn't be authentic to diamond and Pearl to just do it with orchestra. Mm. Although it would be an interesting challenge for sure, but yes, TBD.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, uh, what's your favorite, uh, Pokemon? How about that? Uh?
1: Oh, uh, Charizard. Fair, fair pick. Yeah. I'm not even a gen one or, so. <laughs> I, I love Charizard because it's super warm and probably cuddly and you can roast mar- marshmallows over its tail. Um, it can fly you to work or school. Um, and, uh, it can also beat up your enemies, which is a huge plus. So Fair. what's not to love?
0: <laughs> well, um, thank you, uh, Braxton for coming on.
1: Sure. Thank you, Jose, for having me. Um, and for listeners, if you are interested in hearing my, on orchestrations uh you can find me on braxton or you can look up pokemon reorchestrated on spotify or itunes and find any of my albums there um i'm also on twitter you can find me at uh i'm at braxton burks b-u-r-k-s um and uh yeah that me